It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity during tax season because so much sensitive info is all together. Before we start the annual meeting of Sean's personal info, uh, has anyone seen social security number? Not me. Nope. Nuh-uh. Oh, no. He's been stolen. LifeLock by Norton makes it easy to help protect yourself. If you become a victim, we'll work to fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but you can save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Identity theft protection starts here. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the WIM podcast. Women in Influencer Marketing, or WIM for short, is a first-of-its-kind exclusive networking group made up of inspirational women. This podcast is where we explore influencer marketing, advertising trends, and get real about women in business. Our mission is to network, to foster leaders within this exciting industry, and to share information to make our work stronger. That's where this podcast comes in. We'll bring you fresh perspectives on timely topics facing the industry from expert voices in the space. Find us wherever you download podcasts. And of course, you can always find us at IamWim.com. That's IamWim.com. Lauren Webb is the founder and director of Evoke Media, a digital marketing and influencer agency. Evoke Media partners with CEOs and executives of startups and small businesses to drive brand recognition and interaction across multiple channels. After spending over a decade working in PR and marketing in Europe and North America for global brands and disruptive startups, Lauren knows what truly drives influence, engaged audiences, and New York Times interviews, and it's not implementing the latest social media hack or tactic of the week. It's about creating authentic stories across a variety of communication platforms to evoke a positive emotional reaction to connect with the hearts and minds of the people you're trying to reach. Lauren has landed coverage in print and broadcast outlets around the world, including The Times, the BBC, Associated Press, Bloomberg, and The Telegraph. Outside of work, Lauren's life is equally energetic as a mom to twin four-year-old boys and an 18-month-old girl. She is also a runner and a snowboarder. All right, Lauren, thank you so much for being on this morning. We're really excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be on. It's always nice to speak to you guys across the pond. <laughs> and I was going to say, morning here, afternoon for you. <laughs> yeah, my day is coming to an end, which is nice. <laughs> oh, envious of that. Envious of that for sure. Um, so in the intro to this episode, we just heard a little bit about you. Um, but I always love to hear in your own words, tell everyone listening how you, you're a little bit about your past um, your journey and how you made it to where you are today. Okay, so I started my career in marketing about 12 years ago. I uh, came out of university, I did an English literature degree, always knew I wanted to go into marketing. I thought I wanted to do more advertising as a result of um, Mel Gibson in What Women Want. He was kind of my push into marketing. And I did a, um, a marketing sort of course after uni. And I remember it's sort of in preparation for this I looked back and was thinking about what we learned and talked about in the year and I don't think we did anything really digital I mean we were still talking about mailing campaigns and things like that so I mean so much has changed in 12 years so that's sort of where I started my career in corporate marketing um, and I was really lucky to travel across Europe and um, I then moved and relocated to Vancouver and that's where I got into PR and my world started to change and influencer marketing definitely started to become a part of that um I mean back back then sort of six years ago that was when the media were the influencers and then there was the rise of the individuals um 
So my sort of background has sort of brought me to here with having that sort of marketing, that sort of traditional marketing piece, um, then plugging into the PR piece, which then evolved into influencer. So I, the way that I guess that where I sit now is looking at that influencer um, sort of marketing, but across a sort of um, word and it's fully integrated campaign so maybe we don't tend to just work with just influencers but how does the PR fit into that is there you know an advertising campaign that can be happening as well alongside that so that's sort of where how I've ended up where I'm at and um, the speed at which the influencer marketing and um, sort of scope is changing I'm just finding it it's one of those things to keep up with and just keep learning and it's it's been really really exciting and I, I couldn't help but find myself in in the pool really <laughs> yeah and I love that you're talking about you know a full integrated approach to influencer marketing and so talk to us a little bit about the PR side um, and how yeah. that integrates with the, with the work that you're doing okay so um for especially for sort of B2, more b2b clients um we find that the influencer piece is them creating a platform for themselves for their career which is where the pr is really strong um so in the thought leadership side and that really is a traditional part of pr where you would get speaking events and you know white papers and that sort of thing but it's how can you then translate across digital which is when they almost become an influencer in themselves but in a business corporate perspective um, and then with the um, sort of more consumer side where we're working with um, personal brand influencers um, then I guess the PR side of it plays out in having that sort of more corporate brand image that we use across you know the the key titles and publications but then your sort of your strategy is for that to drop with the publications at the same time that you've got the influence on social media so you've got that joined up sort of third party endorsement um, happening and we found that to be really effective um, and it also especially when you've got a brand that's putting a lot of money behind something when they are looking at influencers and they come back to results and asking you well how what's happened how's that happened we still find that um you know having your having your company um in like the times here in the uk or the new york times in the states nothing beats that for you know a marketing director so um we've kind of found that balance and it it for me as well it's pr is one of my strengths and part of my background so it's quite nice to retain that a little bit there's something that i know <laughs> And I love that. And it's great to use, you know, what's unique to you, to your strength and incorporate it into the work that you're doing with influencer marketing. Cause that's the thing. It's like this whole world of influencer marketing can be elevated in a variety of different ways. I mean, we hear about influencers, you know, creating products these days and, you know, being in films and TV and like all sorts of projects, which has legs beyond social media. Um, and so it's, it's interesting to hear, you know, the variety of different mediums to be able to support those influencers. And so tell us a little bit about some of those success stories. Um, you know, some, some story that, you know, you've experienced that it's really been beneficial um, with your unique background um, that you know, someone really, really benefited from it. So um, my greatest success stories, funnily enough, happen to be in property and real estate. Um, so we work with quite a few um, property developers um, from sort of your medium sized property developer and um, maybe creating or um, building, say, 60 homes um, on one piece of land. 
And um, where we've really um, found a, a sweet spot in the campaign is working with micro influencers alongside the PR side of things. So we're doing the traditional sort of PR um, sort of campaign in that you do the groundbreaking and the press release and you invite them round in the same way and we get the interior mags to come round, all of that same piece. But then we um, had a developer that was willing to sort of push the boat a little bit and influencer marketing wasn't really going on or happening in that sense. You know, they're still doing the traditional advertising, the radio ads and that sort of thing. So um, we worked with um, a couple of micro-influencers, um, we, uh, which was budget-friendly, which is why we went for micro-influencers, and they were really invested and engaged in the local area and the developer. Um, but they had sort of interior or family-type um, sort of strains and themes to them, which at first the developer, you know, was like, how does that fit in with what we do? You know, they're just kind of industry and sales-focused. And um, we worked with them to run a couple of sort of 12 week campaigns where they came on board as so one of them came on board as the interior designer sort of add on. So they created the show home and they created this, you know, beautiful, beautiful living space. Um, and we had a campaign hashtag. We watched them over the 12, 12 weeks sort of shop for the different sofas and, you know, really get involved and tell a story, which, you know, it always goes back to. Um, the initial idea was just to run a competition. So we ran a competition on Pinterest where we asked people to design their perfect home if they lived in one of these houses. And um, from there, it just sort of exploded and organically grew legs. So from there, we sort of pivoted and said, well, why don't we launch, um, sort of have an event for when the show home opens? So um, we launched an event and that's where we came back to the, to the traditional PR side. So we invited a lot of the media to come along and a lot of other influence as well. So all of a sudden we've got this one micro influencer that's sort of then the, the reach has just expanded and expanded. Um, and it was it was successful in the on opening weekend as a direct result of that influencer. We sold four homes, um, which you know the the developer was extremely happy about and has gone on it's kind of become a a bit of a rinse and repeat campaign and um, so different things happen now during the year so they'll do things for Christmas or for Easter and have different sort of activations within their show homes or properties depending on where they're where they're at so for me that's um a success because it was how how we used a traditional sort of we would normally do a PR communications pamphlet how we plugged in the influencers used a micro-influencer rather than spending the cash and, you know, just having hashtag ad next to something. Um, and how we pivoted and sort of let, I guess, the audience and the influencers community sort of dictate what happened as it grew. I love so many things about that. I mean, first <laughs> off, I find that it's, you know, I don't hear about very many real estate developers, you know, or people in that area working with influencers necessarily. So I find that alone really exciting that they sort of recognize the value of it and, and took a chance. Um, yeah. I can imagine also from their perspective, you know, they're like, I have a really high ticket item, high price ticket item here to, to move. Like, could influencers really move the needle on that? And it's so incredible to hear that they did. Yeah. Um, so that's incredible. I, you know, even influencers can sell homes apparently. Who knew? <laughs> I think the biggest surprise for me in testing it was, I mean, they we grew a lot of partnerships with different um, interior, you know, like sofa companies and things like that as well. So there's other partnerships that then came on board. But 
I think the biggest thing for me is it's no um the the influencer didn't own own the home so they helped us sell a lifestyle essentially and I think that was the difference so before for um developers and when we go in to speak to developers it's you're not just selling a home anymore because there's two competition especially here in the UK and I know it's similar the market's similar where you are there's just so much competition and how do you differentiate one house from another in a similar area with the similar price tag and yes okay you can have you know the home looking a little bit different and styles different but really what you're selling is a lifestyle and I think social media has really helped change that landscape particularly in property um which is why that's an area that we've you know we've done quite well in yeah I mean there's so many things from that that I'm really excited about I also love the fact that you tapped into micro influencers um, that's pretty brilliant too. I, it was obviously budget friendly. It always is, but I would venture to say there, you know, whether it's a micro or macro influencer, there's so many skill sets and opportunities to take advantage of and to utilize from influencers that I feel like people are, you're talking about rinse and repeat. I feel like people rinse and repeat influencers um, mm-hmm. so often. They're like, yeah, I just want to like post a photo on their feed and they utilize, you know, their 3% of engaged audience um, and call it a day. And I feel like this is such your, your case study is such an important example that there's so many different things to, to take advantage of and, and utilize from influencers, their design capabilities, um, you know, their ability to draw people to an in-person event. Um, you know, there's so many additional aspects. Um, and I love that you guys took advantage of those. That's, that's brilliant. I think that's so brilliant. I guess it was a perfect storm because we hadn't really worked in this space before. We'd only really had the PR account and the developer was willing to take a chance. So the budget was quite small because you don't want to risk too much. That was sort of the reason we were pushed in the micro level. Whereas if, and I'm happy about that because if they had said, you know, we've got, we've got a million dollars, like see what you can do, go test the influencers, then we probably wouldn't have gone down that route. So um, it was a perfect storm and it was just great to work with a client that, you know, happy to test it and sort of test the market. And I mean, it's grown and the, and the influencer as well. I mean, it's become a long term, long standing partnership between the group of influencers because they've grown as a result and everyone's sort of won out of it. So, um, yeah, it's I, I agree with you in terms of going back to marketing and sort of my days in corporate marketing how can you get a goal and find different ways to reach that without like you say just copying what everyone else is doing to make it more engaging definitely and was that the developer's first time working with influencers yeah yeah it was wow (laughs) done anything before so they were yeah they're pretty sold on on it now um they had only really done PR, like I said, PR and just traditional advertising in the past, which mm-hmm. is hard to track. Um, and I think that's what they loved about that particular campaign and that launch campaign, because they had people coming into the sales center. And when, you know, you're asked, how did you find out about this? Like, oh, we saw it on Instagram. And it just sort of blew up from there, really. I mean, that's incredible um, <laughs> on so many levels. Um, <laughs> so that's, you know, that's a win, um, certainly a win. And I think that people listening would definitely benefit from that example. What are some learnings that you've had over the years? Like, what's an example of something, you know, where maybe it, it didn't go exactly as planned or, you know, even you've seen some other 
person, you know, experienced something where it didn't go quite as planned. And it was really an opportunity to say like, oh, I really took something from this and really learned from it. Um, what's a learning that you've experienced over the years? Okay. So this is a completely different, different industry. Um, so this is, uh, I guess, lifestyle. So it was a spa client. And um, I guess the example there is they were a really well-known name. So you think, okay, well-known name, group of influencers, it's just going to explode, especially in comparison to the, the developer one. I'm not really going to have to do as much. It will just organically happen. And so we sort of set it up thinking that it would just, you know, catapult and it didn't. It just sort of sat and was a, just a bit, it didn't really do anything. And I think that for me was a huge lesson in not counting too much on thinking that just the brand will sell you alone. Um, and we used we used a mixture of micro and some much larger influencers. And I think that the micro influencers, again, I think that's why I really enjoy working with micro influencers because they're so invested in what you're doing and they give you so much additional value. Um, and where we use some of the bigger influencers in that particular campaign, um, it was just kind of, trans it was transactional. And as a result, we didn't get the engagement that we thought we would get. And that was my, my biggest, biggest lesson is, and that's why I always try and use a mix of micro and larger influencers and why we always have the PR piece as well. So for that particular client, we didn't have the PR piece. And I do find that when they work together, it does work really nicely. And so talk to us a little bit more, you know, for somebody who doesn't necessarily come from the PR world, like what is the idea? Like if you are working with um, a brand um, and you're pitching them, you know, you really need this PR piece to be incorporated into your campaign or your project. What does that look like? So it really goes back to working with the client to make sure they've got the pieces in order to make the pitch that you're sending you know really juicy and I'm, I'm sure you guys are aware and your listeners are aware that especially if they have PR or they work with PR clients you know your client thinks that their news is the ground most groundbreaking front page news and they sort of tell you and you're like mm, no so um when we work with clients and we're sort of planning out a campaign it's really trying to work out okay what can we make that's interesting so say they've got some data it's how can we go further into that? So, and create, again, go back to being the content creators. How can we create that for the media? So can we turn that into a video? Can we bring the media on site and do a sort of behind the scenes panel with your, you know, your C-level executives? Um, is there another brand or company that you partner with that everyone wants to get hold of that we can tap the media into? What can we give them? So we try and go beyond just a press release and sort of saying, okay, we're releasing this news. And when I say campaign, I mean that there's something more creative behind it. So we will do things such as media drops, death sides, um, media tours. So something that's not just a standard press release. We're doing this campaign or we've got this influence involved. We don't normally say that we're working with influencers. It's, it could be a standalone PR campaign on its own. But then we've got the influencers happening in the background. So it feels as though everyone is talking about what you want them to talk about. Mm, that's really smart. I mean, and, and I think that that's the last bit of what you said that that resonates with me, right? It's like, it's just it's creating buzz and it's it's creating right. um, it's like, how does this message gain traction um, in every direction? Um, so that makes so much sense. I want to pivot a little bit. And I kind of want to I want to hear a little bit about, you know, your 
entrepreneurial spirit. And I want to hear about, you know, your journey to, you know, your company. Um, talk to us a little bit about yourself as an entrepreneur. Well, first of all, thank you for asking. Um, uh, I always, this is the part that I'm terrible at. So being the other side and doing it for brands and giving them the platform, I'm absolutely fabulous at doing that. I'm definitely a behind the scenes person. Um, but my my first boss out of university, um, he came into the company after me. I had my review with him, my annual review. And he sat there and he said, well, I don't really know what to tell you. Um, and my face dropped because at that point, you know, I was on career level, career ladder path. That's all I wanted. Just career, career, career. Wanted marketing director. That's all I wanted. And he said, um, I just, I don't really know what to tell you. You just, you're just sitting the wrong side of the table. So I'm thinking I'm going to get fired and all of these things. He said, you should be sitting this side of the table. One day you will be, you're not supposed to be an employee. Um, and it sort of stuck with me, but I was young in my career. I, I, it was too scary and it wasn't really, I think that's another thing that, um, influencers have brought they've brought this excitement to sort of working for yourself and this whole remote working to the next generation which is another conversation entirely and um, so I was I was working client side I got my dream job about two years ago working for a property company home they say it's where the heart is they also say it's wherever you make it they don't say it's where you unload your stuff, get tired halfway through unpacking, use some boxes as furniture, realize your oven mitts in a box that doubles as a nightstand, don't want to buy a new nightstand, and use a towel as an oven mitt instead. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on renters and car insurance. Easier than grabbing a piping hot pan with a towel that's a bit too thin and trying to quickly get it to the counter. Ooh, hot, 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 hot. Um, I went on mat leave in December two years ago. And while I was on mat leave, unfortunately, the company made a really bad investment and it went into administration. So I had a, a new baby. My twin boys were three years old at the time. And um, I was sort of faced with where do I go from here? I'm going to have to go back up to London, sort of commute on the train and build up trust to get back to where I wanted to be and be away from my young girl. And it was all of those things and I happened to have a coffee with the, my mentor who had said these things sort of 10 years ago and um, he was like, why don't you just try it? He's like, technically you're on mat leave to October, just try it and see what happens. And um, I'm so glad that the company went under and that I lost my career and things like that because I wouldn't have sat here. It would have been too much of a risk with sort of three children under four. So I devote media. Initially, I started it off with the intention to just be a marketing consultant. And then um, I guess the one of the developers I worked, worked for in the past realized that I now wasn't working for a developer anymore. We're sort of seeing what I've done, speaking to the case study um, and said, you know, can what can you do for us? And that's when we launched, um, you know, as I was talking about sort of working with them on their PR side and sort of said, look, why don't we look at influencers? It's really it's a really growing space. They were willing to try it. And then everything just sort of catapulted from there. And I sort of shifted about um, nine months ago to um, putting myself more in the influencer side of things, um, but not in a traditional influencer agency um, type um, format. And um, yeah, so now we have, um, we've got three members. Um, I've got three in my team and um, we've worked with a Finnish company through to a company over in the States who we were over in Utah for earlier on this year. And 
it's sort of been non-stop um, which is great and I didn't realize um I guess some of the sides of things before you go into running it yourself that you think will be easy and you're like wow that's a lot harder than I expected um and then some other things that have just kind of happened without really needing to think about it that I really thought I'd have to put time and energy into so and I, I find that the the community in the space especially with the social media side and the fact that that's a massive part of the business I found it to be you know really supportive and collaborative and inclusive and um, yeah, overall, it's been it's been an amazing. I hate the word journey, but it really has been an amazing period of my life. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. But I'm still fairly early on, so we're 18 months in now. Um, but everything's going everything's going the way it should be. <laughs> that's in, I mean that's incredible, and to be 18 months in and have the smile on your face that you do, <laughs> that's huge. That is really huge. And so, you know, for anybody listening who has been, you know, contemplating for a while, I might want to start a business. I have this idea, you know, maybe they're fortunate enough like you were to have somebody encouraging them, but there's something standing in their way, whether it's I have three kids, uh, you know, at home under the age of four um, or, you know, just self-doubt or whatever the case may be. What would you tell them? Okay, so self-doubt is a big one. And I would say, get yourself a mentor. Just find someone who will have your back. Because, I mean, yeah, I am sitting here with a smile on my face, but I go through self-doubt probably once a week. And if it's not sort of my mentor, who's kind of become an informal business coach now, but if it's not, you know, her sort of kind of pushing me on and like, you know, helping me go through the actual rational side of things, and also my husband, then... I would have probably bailed out months and months ago. So I think my biggest, my biggest, biggest thing that I tell anyone is get yourself a mentor. Even if, you know, you can't afford a business coach as such, there's always people out there who are willing to help you and sort of support you. So reach out to people and ask for help. Most people won't say no if you're just genuinely asking for help. Um, or a good friend as well. <laughs> my friends, <laughs> my friends always are helpful on a Friday evening with a glass of wine in hand. So um, definitely get yourself a mentor. And it goes back to what a lot of people say in articles or, you know, even influencers on social media that have gone from 100 followers to 100,000 followers. And the message is always just do it. Don't worry about what anyone's thinking. And just do you be you get in your own lane and just do it. Absolutely. Um, don't look from side to side, like just focus on what you're doing. Um, there's too much going on to focus on other people anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. My, my friend was navel gazing. She's like, stop navel gazing. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, and you know, anyone listening who has maybe started a business and they're early on like you are, um, what else has your mentor said? You know, maybe they're not fortunate enough to to have a mentor, to have connected with somebody who, you know, you sort of described your mentor as a business coach as well. Um, so what's some of the best like business advice that you've been given and have implemented or about to implement um, in these last 18 months? Okay, so um, when I got to about nine months on um, and work started growing to a point where I was, I didn't, I didn't feel I had time and things like that. One of the first things that we looked at was really documenting and auditing my time. So I think when you're an entrepreneur and you're wearing all the hats, it's really easy to sit there and say, oh, but I don't have time. I don't have time. And I definitely was victim of that. 
So what I did for two weeks was every single day they sort of suggested that I write down exactly where I'm spending my time. So for two weeks, I very honestly as well, which was actually quite difficult in the beginning, um, put down where I was spending my time, including when I got distracted on Instagram, when I was supposed to be researching for a client. And then all of a sudden, an hour later, you find yourself deep in some thread. You're like, how did I get here? Um, so definitely look at your time. And then from there, you'll be able to see, okay, where was I actually spending my time? And also, I mean, things like in the early days, it's really easy just to take coffees with as many different people as possible, which I definitely urge. But then at the same time, always look back at that because I then found that I was, I then became the person that was giving a lot of my time and my advice and I wasn't really getting anything back, which is great to do to some extent, but if it's starting to take over where you're actually making money. Um, and then from there, that followed on to knowing my numbers. So <laughs> about a year ago, I was kind of like, well, I don't know, <laughs> I'm making good money, I'm living, I've got, you know, nice things. But when I wanted to hire staff, I really had to get clear on my numbers. Um, and that's probably the one thing that I did invest in outside of sort of my mentor, who's, like I said, it's become an informal coaching situation. But um, I invested in, I went on a sort of a half day session with someone, a consultant to look at my numbers and to really, really understand them. So there would be my two sort of pieces of advice that kind of came from a coaching background that would probably cost you a lot of money to get that kind of advice, but it's really simple stuff. Um, and just there's, there is so much out there. Don't fall victim to getting into that loop and thinking I've got to do everything. I've got to do everything all the time. And um, just step by step, do one thing every day to push you forward. That is such good advice because I feel like, you know, as an entrepreneur, especially in the early stages of being one, there are so many things to do. <laughs> there are so many things that need to get done. So it's it's valuable to be able to pause and be able to say, you know, all right, I need to prioritize. I need to say this actually needs to get done first, even though this client seems to think that they always need to be <laughs> prioritized but you know I'm the one running the business and so I need to prioritize what I think needs to be prioritized um, maybe setting boundaries you know maybe um, you know just investing in your own company that like you said uh, hiring consultants or business coaches or what have you that's not cheap if they're good um, yeah. but I, I don't know I would say that it's worth it I assume you would say the same as well Absolutely. It has been one of the, I mean, it's scary at first. And um, a couple of things I did was I went on sort of group workshops with a coach. So when I did the numbers, it was it. So it split the cost. So it was really affordable way. And it was more of a workshop way. But I also got to meet other businesses as well, which was great. Um, so I think there are other ways to do it without, you know, sort of investing too heavily or, I mean, the other thing that can happen is you can invest in a coach and then they don't deliver for you. So I think it's about doing your research and maybe trying, if you're in that really early stage, trying some group sessions. Um, and for the parents out there, the biggest thing you said about boundaries, which is so important, I was working from home to begin with. And because I was in the office, it was like, oh, have you have you got the food? And my parents would babysit at my house or my husband would be in. And it's sort of like, have you got their dinner? Have you got their food? Or where's where's this? Where's that? And I was always being disrupted. So um, I got myself a small space just in the beginning. And just that space away from the house gave me that boundary. So it was mummy's at work now. We don't have mummy around. We can't ask her. Um, so I find that you know, that separation helped me create that boundary. And I think there's a lot of parents out there that struggle with that, especially if they have a side hustle. 
And I would love to hear more about that, uh, whether, you know, we are a women's focused networking group, right? And so um, people we've had on the podcast have kids. Um, some of them don't. Some of them want kids. Um, and I feel like that is a constant struggle um, to be able to just balance, um, you know, work and family and work in your personal life and um, being able to have you know, multiple loves in your life, you know, I'm sure you really love your work, you love your family. Um, and so how do you balance all of it? Okay, um, it's a work in progress, having given yourself permission to to be a woman in business, because I talk to so many um, of my friends as well, and people who I've met since being an entrepreneur. And I speak to so many who, you know, will feel guilty because they're sat at home, you know, trying to make a better living for themselves. And I've always been someone I didn't, I wanted to be a businesswoman first, not a mum or a mum in business. I wanted to be a businesswoman first and then mum. And I think if being a mum in business works for you, then that's great. But for me, I knew exactly where I wanted to be. So I gave myself permission to be at my desk or to, you know, say, right, okay, I, I can't deal with you now. I will be finished in an hour and and I was okay with that and I know some parents will feel guilty so it's just understanding what you really want and giving your permission to do whichever strategy works for you. Definitely. And talk to us about some of the realities though. You know, it's not like you have um one child. It sounds like you had twins first, right? Um and then obviously you that wasn't <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't enough. And then you wanted um, more. And so like, that was a very, you know, that was a decision to expand your family. And, you know, I, I have some people in my life that I know who have twins and it's no joke. <laughs> it is no joke. And so obviously this is something that you wanted in your life. Um, and, and a lot of it, you know, you've got three little ones. So, you know, talk to us a little bit about some of the realities of, you know, do you feel guilty ever? Or are you just really proud simultaneously to be able to show your kids that like mom is an entrepreneur and mom is a hard worker. And this is, you know, what you can be when you grow up too. Um, you know, your husband sounds like he's, you know, incredibly supportive and you have family support and things like that. But, you know, I'm sure that there are struggles. I'm sure there are days when things aren't perfect or far from it. Talk to us a little bit about those times. Absolutely. And it, it's it's one of those things where it always feels like the grass is greener on the other side of the hedge. Um, so yeah, having having a strong husband is a, a big a big thing, especially when you decide to go it alone. And yeah, we had, especially in the beginning, I mean, I was on mat leave and because the company had gone under, it switched to statutory mat leave, which if you're in the UK, I don't know about you guys, but it is shocking here. It's absolutely shocking. So, I mean, we had some serious struggles with, you know, money and we wanted to move and how, you know, how that was going to affect everything. And yeah, I definitely, I felt, I felt guilty recently. I mean, two weeks ago, my boys started primary school. So, you know, proper school. I don't know what you guys call that. And um, I was away. So they, I dropped them off on their first day on Monday. But on the Tuesday and Wednesday, I was in Glasgow and Manchester doing LinkedIn training for some corporate companies. And I couldn't be there. And I had huge guilt. I mean, I, I remember I said, I called my husband. I was like, I don't know if I could do this. Like, this isn't what having a business is supposed to be about. And you know, you, you get over it, <laughs> a week heals. And then, you know, it, that having that company then leads to something and you've got your business hat on and you feel that, okay, well now I've, 
I've won this contract and as a result of this contract we can you know we can have an extra holiday next year and then it gives you it gives you that side of the coin but yeah I mean the the biggest struggles were um were money and income and even now you know in agency life you lose you lose a client and you panic about how that's going to affect you and when if it is money I might be more snappy and stressed and sometimes you know if the children are you know not doing as they're told you might snap a bit quicker so they're they're probably some of the the downsides to it definitely and you know what have you incorporated into your life that has really helped you good question um I would say having a strong support network um and most recently time for myself so I was one of these people that if you said mindset, I up until two months ago, I was like, that's woo woo. No, I don't. I don't believe that. I don't buy that. I came from a really, really corporate male background, especially being in property. So um, I just didn't, you know, I didn't believe in that, that whole piece. And I've really started to invest in that in sort of mindfulness and being more aware and journaling. I mean, if you had told me that I was going to journal this time last year, I would have rolled my eyes and said, no, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. Um, but that I find has really helped me and in investing in my own thoughts is helping me grow better as well. And it's helping me deal with some of the struggles that being an entrepreneur and a mum throws at you as well. Like I say, like feeling guilty, it allows you to kind of get that out on paper and process it. I mean, that I'm sure is huge. I've experienced that. I know a lot of friends of mine have. And like whether it's woo-woo journaling (laughs) or whether it's, you know, just having a friend or a family member. But I think the operative piece of what you said is to just get it out um, because we're all human. And, you know, there are definitely wins and those are the exciting moments. But there's a lot of learnings in between. (laughs) There's a lot of struggles. And I think that's why we put up with all those times of struggle because, you know, just for that one or two wins. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, just being real, it's, it's like, you know, there's some, a lot of times there's, there's more, I never like to say them like losses, but you know, learnings, there's a lot of learnings to, to experience and you have to process those. Like you said, um, it's really important or else you get too stressed, too uptight, too anxious, you know, all those things. Um, and so just to be able to, you know, ideally find someone who's going through something similar so that you have a shared experience with that person. But at the very minimum, just to get it out and just to be honest about how you feel um, and, you know, some pain or some struggle or, you know, again, like anxiety. Um, But just to get it out is such a relief. It's such a relief. Yeah. It started with me in podcasts, actually, because podcast was, to me, it was self-learning. And I didn't realize that that was the thing that kicked off, you know, the whole time for me. And I'd be sitting in the car listening, like you say, you listen to like podcasts like this or other industry podcasts and people are going through similar struggles and you find yourself driving like, I just went through that. Or you are getting it out on your own in your own personal space. And then from there, it's progressed. And I, I guess I became more open minded to it. Um, and it's really helped. Yeah. And just as women, I mean, we, I don't know, I've experienced, and I will speak personally, I've experienced lots of women, myself personally, like we are our own harshest critics. (laughs) And, you know, we hold the bar so high that it's almost at some points impossible to, to meet those expectations. So I think it's just a matter of, you know, the power of 
being a woman is also having, I think, empathy um, to others and sympathy for yourself and just having moments where you're not so hard on yourself and you pat yourself on the back for, you know, the huge wins, but also the little wins as well. You know, even just like getting beyond a hard moment, that's a win. That's a huge win sometimes because that's at the point when some people crumble and some people can't handle it and some people throw in the towel and give up. Um, But if you don't and you're the one who persists, that is absolutely worth celebrating. So I think that is something that I hope everyone takes away from what you were talking about before. Um, We ask everybody this on the podcast, and I'm excited to ask you as well. What do you wish someone had told your younger self that would have given you a professional or a personal advantage today? I absolutely love this question. And I think for me, it would have been to be more comfortable in my own skin. So um, I'm definitely one of those people that falls victim to the comparison and um, was probably one of the reasons why I didn't make a leap earlier on. And I think it was because I was so about corporate and fitting into what should be done. Um, I was academic, I was pushed through school and I had a clear plan and I thought that's you follow the blueprint of life. And I wish that I had been more comfortable in my own skin because I think I would have taken some more risks. And even in business still, I I'm I will always look for validation and sort of, you know, Google, is this, is this what you do next in business? Should this be happening right now? Um, so I think, yeah, just that could have been a, a magic pill I could have taken. And that's that's the thing. Being comfortable in your own skin. That's a journey, Lauren. So <laughs> that is a journey that I think we're all on. But, you know, you got to start at some point. And in order to get somewhere, you just have to be mindful of it. Um, so being comfortable in your own skin. I'm going to try to be comfortable in mine. You're going to be try to be comfortable in yours. We're going to be on this journey together. Um, I'm sure that everybody listening would love to get in touch with you, learn more about your business, your company, your journey. So um, where can everyone find you? So you can find me on the company socials. That's something that I still cannot let my control over. I can't let my control go. Um, so you can find me at EvokeMeetLT. Amazing. Amazing. Um, I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to be reaching out. So check those DMs. Um, Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone so much for listening. If you liked what you heard today, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We love comments. So comment on this podcast and we may shout you out on our next episode. Join us next time and thanks for tuning in. Now through April 14th, join a clean and spacious Planet Fitness for $1 down and only $10 a month. With tons of equipment and free fitness training, it's the perfect place for everybody to work out. Even me, Mr. I can't sleep at night, so I keep dozing off during the day. Especially you, Snoozy. You'll rest easier and feel fit-tacular. Wait, how did you get in here? Join in club or at planetfitness.com. $1 down, $10 a month, cancel any time. Hurry, deal ends April 14th. See club for details. There aren't many faces people are excited to see first thing in the morning before they've even had their coffee. But the McDonald's drive through workers who take your order on the way to work have almost all of those faces. 
Because nothing brings more joy in the morning than a 99 cents any size iced coffee. Pair it with a glazed full apart donut for a truly great morning. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Only available until 11 a.m. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.